0: Welcome to the Coaching DNA Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Wyckoff. I'm also the founder of Kingdom Coaching, my consulting business in which I coach leaders. This week's episode is part two with Rick Heller. Rick is the baseball coach at the University of Iowa. During part two, Rick and I discuss navigating our insecurities, personal individual meetings with his athletes, staying up to speed on new trends in baseball, and much, much more. Rick has done a great job at Iowa and is just overall a really, really great human being. So, without further ado, my conversation with Rick Heller. So you go from, I'm curious, you go from Upper Iowa to Northern Iowa. How much? And I'm yeah, this will be a, a an individual question, but I'm sure there's some some consistency across the board when that when that type of thing happens. You go from Division three to Division one. How much, what's what's that voice, what's that internal voice, what's that internal insecure voice that we kind of all have? Yeah, uh, You know, if we were honest, we all have it. What did that voice sound like? Division three, that, uh-oh, now I'm playing Gene Stevenson, Keith Gutt, <laughs> Bob Warren, um, you know, Ed, yeah, Ed, yeah. well, I guess it would be uh, Jack James Donald. Allen, yeah. Yes. What's but, that voice sound like?
1: Well, it. that's a good point because, um, I think I said it earlier. Like in my gut, I felt like we could win at Upper Iowa. You know, just my gut said if we do this, this, and this, I know we can win. I really mm-hmm. felt that. Hey, you and I—I I didn't have any perspective. You know, what I'm saying I didn't have a feel for one the Division One talent I was going against. Yeah. I mean, obviously you know they're good, but you don't know relative to the watch you have, and um, you know, so there was some some, some fear there, not. You know, not really fear, but there was some uncertainty just because I didn't know what I was up against. Totally, so, it's funny. It's funny, I got a funny story for you because uh, the first Missouri Valley game uh, that we played when my first year at U and I, um, I had no clue. You know, we're playing Illinois State, and I think they were picked like six, You know, and Jeff Stewart was there then. Yep. And um, we go out that weekend, and we face. Cotts, Eckenstaller, and Furistic, and they're picked <laughs> six. And I think all three of those guys pitched in the big leagues. And I looked at Marty. I'm like, well, if it gets tougher than this, I don't know if we're going to win many games at all. You know, yeah. I mean, it was like, whoa. I mean, and that's the thing that Dan Callahan, he always said this. You know, Coach Cal a good friend of mine, and a lot, a lot of the guys that will be listening. And you know, he said, Rick, in Division One baseball, it doesn't matter. You know, the best team, the worst team. He goes, the the margin between winning and losing is only this big. Hmm. It's, every, it's every day. I mean, the, the the perceived bad teams are not really bad. You know, they, they can, if you don't play well, they're going to beat you. And so in my head, I, I get, that first year gave me some perspective. And the good thing was that, you know, we won some games and we had some veterans on that UNI team that um, hmm. were coming back, you know, uh, that, that I knew we were going to have a chance that next year to be pretty good. Same thing, very similar to what, I felt when i was at iowa that first year yeah uh, and you know it but it was very eye-opening but but the first half of the season was like whoa it was just a big learning curve big learning process and then um figuring out you know what we needed to do recruiting wise to to try to fight because back then travis as you well know there were three division one teams in iowa so mm. You know, we were we weren't getting first pick, at, you know, at I, especially with only seven in-state scholarships because Iowa State was still going and I was still going. Um, so we had to find athletes. We had to find multi-sport kids, whatever. But that's that's kind of the feel I had making that change. But I will tell you this, Travis, what I found, what I found since I started coaching Division One in 2000 is that. It doesn't matter whether you're Division I, NAIA, JUCO, Division Three, it doesn't matter. There are great coaches at every level. Yeah. And there there are coaches at the Division Three level that I went up against uh, the 12 years I was at Upper Iowa that are as good as anybody in Division I. Some guys are even better than most guys at Division I, that they either get pigeonholed and don't get the chance or they're perfectly fine running their program and, and 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 you know winning games and championships where they're at. But that was the eye opening thing for me because, you know, here's a guy that had to um you know learn it the hard way. You know, I mean I had twenty three years old, I just was a sponge, listened to everything, listened to everything. Hell I was still playing uh in the summer leagues because I wanted to try this on my own before I taught my players or, you know, Mm -hmm. I've never caught before. So I'm going to catch six games this every summer so that I got some perspective for the catcher. It was kind of cool. I was able to do that because in division three going on the road and actually seeing the kids play, it really doesn't matter, you know, because they all think they're going to get a scholarship till about right now, my stack of guys, I was calling right now in August, that's when I was getting guys, you know, and, and so, so that was a way that I tried to, um, develop my philosophy you know i tried no stride all summer i try like you know whatever a leg kick this summer oh you know whatever i just tried different stuff and stuck with it and gained some really cool perspective on uh, my teaching because you're a one-man show right i mean you're at that time you're like you're you're involved in everything pitching you know hitting catching all that stuff so that's kind of what i was doing to develop that but but
0: yeah yeah <laughs> what would what would um the people that have worked Around you closely. What would they say are your strengths in, um, yeah, in leadership and coaching? Oh man,
1: I, I think that they, I think that they would say um, that I'm honest and trustworthy, and that comes across to uh, recruits, parents, and players. And because of that, um, the buy-in we get to try to overachieve and, you know, do more than what's expected is, is possible. And that um, I'm extremely loyal, uh, not only to our guys, but to our staff and staff when they leave. And they're still part of the program, alumni, and um, that it truly, that that I've tried to build programs everywhere I've been where uh, you would want your son to come play for me if if you played or, you know, I guess the best example I can give with that uh, analysis is, you know, when we win something big or something big happen here at Iowa, I'm getting just as many notes from upper Iowa guys and mm. you know Indiana state guys and you and I guys, as I am, you know, the Iowa guys. And even though uh, we're at a different program, those guys still feel connected because of that bond that we tried to build. I think that, is something that they would tell you. I think they would tell you that um, we have a great system for the process and staying consistent and not deviating uh, mood swings. I mean, I show up. It when I show up, it we're showing up every day to you know, and 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 I don't mean it I mean, in a in a mean way or anything, but I mean we're 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 focused. We're locked in we reward what's important in our program and we hold people accountable whether you're the best player or you know the worst player um I'm not a guy that looks the other way um and I believe because of that and that accountability and that leadership it it able enables us to have those types of leaders within the team
0: yeah it's really good and what would you say um on the flip side I'll ask the question like this where do you need your assistance to fill some gaps where maybe you're not as strong?
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, as I get older, um, you know, I need them to pick me up (laughs) sometimes, uh, sometimes on the road a little bit, but, but still like to get out and go uh, almost as much as I used to. Uh, but with the team, um, I think that because Marty and I've been together so long, um, We've had a ton of turnover, Travis, um, because of what we've been doing here at Iowa, and we were kind of ahead of a lot of people with um, all of the the, the technology and, and and all the analytics. I mean, we were pretty far ahead. So I've had really good friends and good coaches taking the professional ball. I mean, I've had you know probably twelve or thirteen different coaches in the ten years, but the one consistent is that Marty marty has been here the whole time yeah and and marty knows me better than anybody so uh the 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 time maybe when um i'm ready to say something or lose my temper he usually stops me before i do or if i say something or do something that he thinks they didn't take the right way he's able to come in and fix that and make sure that they do know um when you're with somebody yeah, you know, when we're with some, when you're with somebody as long as we've been together, and then he also he also um, you know played for me, and you know Marty Marty's able to take it take a guy. One thing we've done, Travis, in the last uh, probably five or six years, um, the twenty hour rule makes it really difficult to build relationship like on the field. Mm-hmm. So that makes. You know, back when you played, back when I played, it didn't matter. We were out there. And and in baseball, the 20 hour rule is a silly rule. Um, You know, it might work for a lot of sports, but it shouldn't be a cookie cutter because our sport doesn't have a clock. And my guys are begging for more and more and more. They're not, you know, wanting to get out of practice or wanting to cut a scrimmage short because we have to cut our time. But what I found was, you know, one of my goals, and I got this just randomly Mm -hmm. listening to Jim Leland talk and Jim Leland said that like in spring training, he tried to talk to all of his guys um, during the course of the day about something other than baseball. Mm. And, and, and so, you know, you never, I shouldn't say never, but most of the time that's, that's even tough to do with the non 20 hour, but, but you were able to talk a lot more and spend more time um, doing that. now. It's like, all right, the clock's on, boom, let's go. So when we're out there, it's go time and we're going and we're trying to maximize that time. So what we did was we sat down and and, and we make out, or Marty makes out a, a sheet. So we split the team up between the coaches. And so I might have eight this week. You got eight this week. Marty's got eight. And then we rotate coaches every week. But every player in the team gets an individual meeting with one of the coaches. Each week, And the goal is to try to talk about things that don't revolve around baseball. Now, that's pretty easy to do, you know, the first semester, but inevitably you're going to end up talking, talking some baseball, which is actually a great thing later in the year, because if there's an effort issue or there's a, you know, attitude, attitude issue, whatever you get that opportunity or one of us does to have the individual meeting and just those individual meetings start to build the trust that you need to get really good buy-in. And, and I think it's one of the best things we do. Uh, It allows us all to get to know each other really well, you know, know everybody's brothers, sisters, dads, moms, you know, girlfriends, everything that's going on in their lives. And then, you know, by the third or fourth week, if something's going on that they need help, they feel confident in asking for the help and, Anyway, with, so with that being said, um, you know, that, that is something that we have done to try to really, really help, um, build on that relationship side. Love it. And how long are those meetings? Um, not very long. I mean, it, it, they can be, it's just kind of how, however they happen, you know, so like I'll send a text message Sunday night or Monday morning and to my group and we'll have them, you know, broken down in text groups. I'm like, all right, shoot, shoot me your times this week. Uh, and they'll all shoot me their times on when they are near the building, when they come, they have till Friday, to get it done and um, put them all on a, on a chart. And when they come in, we just talk until they're done. Really. And those rotate every week. You don't have the same age nope. ever. So say we have four groups. I, I, you know, they're going to get me once every four weeks, Get yep. Marty once every four weeks, Sean, Nick, and we just rotate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's really good. How have you, Um, you know this as well as I do. Oftentimes, as we get older, one of the ditches we get into is it's hard to change. It's hard to adapt. You have to me. You're a little bit of an outlier in that. um, You know, you were. You, I'm guessing things are different in now than they were in uh, 1989 or 1998 upper Iowa, How, the technology is just through the roof. How have you stayed progressive in that? How have you avoided the get into the ditch and just like maybe empower your assistants to do, it, but just, just let me be mean. You guys do all that new age stuff. I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I know. How have you avoided that? Um, Uh, It
1: it really hasn't been that hard for me just because that's kind of who I was and who I am. But uh, it goes way back uh, to 87, 88, 89, and it goes back to uh, Rick Matthews. And, you know, like I said, he kind of mentored me. I slept on his floor the very first convention my first year in Nashville. and uh, Rick always – always has told me, Rick, you have to be a lifelong learner. You have Mm. to keep, you have to keep learning. Uh, If not, the game will pass you up. You know, he was way ahead of his time with that and, you know, smartest baseball guy I know. Uh, And, and I really, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I, like I said, way back, I mean, I love to play well, I can't play anymore. So, you know, this is, I love baseball. I just, I love baseball and I love to learn and I love to pick up new stuff and I love, uh, you know, to watch videos, that, you know, like the new age has been great for me because let me give you an example. Uh, I, I I'm I'm an infield guy. I still I still work with our infielders, and now on Twitter or Instagram, I can pick up three new drills yeah. in the next hour if I want to. Yeah. You know, and I've met great friends, you know, Kai Kurea, guys like that through social media. Um, just on there trying to find new stuff. Whereas prior to that, I mean, you go, I go eight years and didn't hear anything new. You know what I mean? I didn't, I mean, anything I came up with, I came up with myself. I wasn't yes. finding it, you know, and now you got all these young creative smart guys out there that are just, you know, making life way easier for me. I mean, I can pick up new drills. I don't have to be that creative. I mean, uh, and then now I even take it a step further, like, and we have a great managers program with, you know, different, different day, different topic, but it's gold standard. So I'll have two or three managers that are with me, uh, on the infield side. And so I will challenge them. I'm like, all right, this weekend, you guys got to find me three new drills that you think Love will that. actually help us get better. And so we're all looking and then they'll come in and then we call it, Hey, here's, we're doing Scott's cone drill today. That's what we call her. You know, Joe's. Uh, ladder drill or whatever, you know, and uh, just to try to stay sharp. And you know, as a head coach, the hardest part probably for me, Travis, is that my job description as a Power Five head coach has changed considerably in the last five years. Now, yeah. the the baseball stuff. Um, now, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that that I'm uh, I'm as up on the pitching stuff as Robin and Desi, my Robin line and, and Sean McGrath, my pitching coaches, I know enough, you know, and I know enough that what we need to do, how it helped us. Uh, but, but I can't, I, I mean, I cannot be that deep when my job description keeps giving me different directions to go. And mm. and now we're in a world of NIL and, and a world of transfer portal and changing recruiting rules. and. You know, just all of this stuff and raising money all the time for your facilities and for this and um, that is the part that has been really challenging for me because I love the baseball side. That's why I do this. You know what I mean? I mean, I I I love to be on the field. I mean, I'm a grinder, gonna die a grinder. But that that's what I'm missing because I'm doing way 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 more of of the uh, CEO stuff but you have to do what you have to do to keep the program moving forward. And that's what I, I need to do at this point in time in our baseball world, uh, how things have changed. So you do what you have to do. Uh, but that side is not nearly as enjoyable as, you know, for me working with the infielders or working yes. with the hitters and helping Marty work with the hitters. And, um, you know, all, all those, all those things are why I got in the business and, and, and helping kids get better and, the rewards of seeing kids when they come in and when they leave and uh, how much better they got and how much they grew off the field. That's, that's why you do it. If you that part of the game right now, at least in present day is flailing everywhere. You know, it, <laughs> it, it's, it's a challenge to keep your, to keep your, um, what do you want to say your ethics and your beliefs and your, and your thoughts. And I've got, i've i've had good friends my age who just said i'm out you know just mm-hmm. tired i can't do this i'm not doing this anymore um so i guess yeah. for me for me it's like just where i came from and how i've had to work to get to where i'm at you know it hasn't been an easy road uh, you know just keep working that's all i know you know just whatever happens you just keep Put your nose to the grindstone and keep working. You do what you have to do. It takes what it takes. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, but there's also hope. There's some faith there that maybe we can come back around to what would be more of a normal, fair, equitable system uh, that we're not in right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I just I think, you know, the the times I've spent with you, it, it does not surprise me at all that you're still a learner, that you're still up to speed on 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 all those things. Um, and I think f- what you said is so spot on as far as like, dude, if you didn't go to the convention back in the old days, huh. you well, I don't know how you learn. Maybe the baseball America might have some – maybe yeah, you, Pavlovich writes an article about a pitching coach that <laughs> so you learn a drill. Or you're buying VHS tape. That's what I was doing, you know, I yep. mean, as much as you could. Um, and then
1: it's the funny thing, the funny thing, when I became a Division One coach, um, you know, I'm not mentioning any names, but you would play certain teams, and I'm like, I watched that guy speak. That's not what they're doing. Yeah. They're then dead. I found out. Then I found out there were professional speech givers yes. to make money off the VHS tape. That it wasn't, you know, they weren't walking the walk. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that when that's when I go back to like the Division Three coaches and those guys. There's some really good coaches there that don't get the credit. But anyway, that's funny that you bring that up because
0: I think about it like, whoa, that's not what I saw. Totally, you didn't know. No. <laughs> well, well, and I think from a from a player's perspective, it's in my opinion, really critical that you're, that, that the coaches are, are, are progressive. Cause I, I think of this, when I went to Wichita state, the fall of 1992, Brink Kinemitz could have told me anything. And I had no idea. I just would have been like, okay, I, that's I, how you do it. Now they come in with bucket loads of, they've watched video. I mean, they know. So they know. If, you, if you don't know, if you, if you try to teach something that is archaic or you try to blow smoke mm-hmm. these guys these kids right now will look at you and think this guy didn't know what he's talking about because i've watched 300 hours of video on on pitching or hitting or whatever so that that's important for the for the student athlete to buy into you no you're, you're exactly right Travis. and and you know you still you still have
1: your share kids that are pretty green coming in but the sure. majority of them now do have a pretty good feel uh, of of what they need to do and how their body works. And, you know, a a certain style that maybe they were taught by their hitting coach or their pitching coach, or they went to a certain program. So I, instead of like, you know, dogging those guys, I challenge our staff and I always have, it's like, listen, we, we need to be up on all of it. (laughs) We need to be able to take a kid that worked with this group and have a pretty good clue on what they were doing, even if it's not, you know, exactly what we do. And that's kind of what um, I've always done and encouraged my coaches to do is like, okay, let's learn all of it. And then cherry pick the stuff that fits into our philosophy and take the good stuff that can work. But we can always, but we can always help that kid who is here. And it's not a dictatorship in our program. I mean, there's obviously some absolutes that, everybody has to do but um you know the big thing especially in our pitching program which we've had so much success is that it's a it's a collaboration it's a work together it's a you know we're big on closing all the boxes and and assessments and movement assessments and trying to get every kid in our program to understand how their body works and uh, how how they move and how they move the best and to be able to generate a program that benefits uh, each and every one of them as opposed to trying to pigeonhole those guys, which in the old days, you know, you tended to do because that's all you knew, you know, yeah. you thought this was the right way or this was the right way. And, you know, you think back all the things that were the wrong way and, you know, wish you could go back, but that was all you, that was all you knew. Um, and now it's, it's, uh, at least in heart program, it's, it's so different. It's, it's just, I think it's awesome because yeah. so much communication and, uh, the data and the tech allow you i believe to coach much better much easier you know you you you, you get completely out of the tip giving business and there's yeah. so many different ways to do it and that has been refreshing the last you know 10 10 12 years and we've just tried to evolve in that mode to try to be the best we can at um at educating and you know one of our goals for each player is that when they get to be you know, a junior or senior, they understand their their own coach. they they understand their swing, their how their body moves, all those things. So that you know, when they do get into pro ball, hopefully they can pass guys and pass them quickly and and really have a good feel, um, you know, for what they're doing themselves when they're they're not ever on their own. But it you know, it's a lot more on your own in pro ball than it is
0: in college. And yep. um, so that's yep. that's one of the things we try to do. Love it. Um, you mentioned and i can't remember how you articulated you mentioned a leadership development program that you have a leadership council walk us through that um i mean basically basically
1: when we start this fall the the returning players will vote for four captains and those are the fall captains and and you need fall captain because with the 20 hour rule, you know, the captains are doing workouts and, you know, there has to be somebody leading in today's game because of your time restriction, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's the primary thing. But the other thing is, is that obviously the new players don't know who to vote for anyway. Right. So we don't even let them vote. Um, and then those guys will meet with me every Monday and we'll talk about, you know, different things that I think they can do, you know, to to be good leaders, give them things to read, books to read. um, And then also get a poll for the team and what's going on and how they think we're doing it. I'm, you know, am I doing something that maybe they're reading the wrong way or, you know, whatever. I mean, we just have a great talk every, every Monday. um, And then go out and encourage the team. Even I'll say, I'll, you know, I'll point it out a ton of times in the fall. In the fall, these are these are our fall captains, and and they've earned that through the vote of the returning players. But everyone on this team is a leader, and we want everybody to lead and try to drop the guard of like he's a senior, you can't say anything to him. We will try to eliminate all of that. That is truly a team effort. They're yeah. a voice, but they're also respected enough by their actions that they can hold guys accountable off the field, um, you know, in the clubhouse. Because the best teams are. Are held accountable by players yeah uh, you know i mean the coach is always there as a messenger uh, you know and a guy that is giving the word but uh if that word doesn't mean anything as soon as you walk off the field then then you're really not there so let's skip ahead um at christmas uh we revoke and uh, hmm. those will be our actual captains uh during the the playing season and so if a guy didn't walk the walk that was one of the guys in the fall, they get voted out. And I'll give you a great example. I mean, last year's team, um, you know, we had a kid named Brennan Darighi who was a grad transfer from Wolford and Brennan comes in he's here one semester and he gets voted captain. I mean, but that's, that's not going to happen in a system that isn't real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, yeah. his value showed to everybody right away and how he went about his business, how he was selfless, how he cared about others and how he he brought it every single day. And Brennan was a big reason we had the season that we had because of his, his leadership. But, you know, then all the rest of the captains, they were voted in. So, so, I mean, that's how, that's how we do it. And then in the during the season, same story, we meet on Mondays. Um, everybody's on the same page. Um, hmm. The trust is there. It just it's it's a situation, Travis, where you know, we've had you know ten really good seasons here, you know, if you're just looking at the record or wins wins or whatever. I would tell you that the goal of leaving the jersey in a better place for that captains group has improved all ten years. We've gotten better. And and right now we are we are in such a good place. But the message to um, especially the younger guys, because most of the older guys know this, is that it it can take 10 years to get it to this point when I think it's last This season was phenomenal for us. I mean, phenomenal. Mm. Uh, but if we don't pay attention for three weeks this fall, it could be right back to year one that yep. fast. And, and that's the message, because I think guys think they're there, and then they get lazy and they look the other way or complacent, and yep. they don't focus on it as, as a, as the head guy or as the group of coaches, the leaders. If that isn't paid attention to all the time, it can quickly go back to a bad place. So for me, that is our primary responsibility. Our primary goal is to not let our guard down, not get complacent, not get tired because it's hard work. I mean, that, that yep. you've got to step on that. The message has to be consistent and the mental game stuff has to be consistent and all of those things that you're uh talking about with your team on a daily basis have to be consistent with building leaders or it will take care of itself you know or go away yeah if you could get lucky and maybe you just happen to have the right guys but most of the time no um, so having a strong process culture of being excellent every day it is a hard. It is a lot of hard work, and it's every day by the leaders on the coaching staff and the leaders on uh, your leadership group on your team. However, you uh, divide those guys up or however you work that.
0: Have you ever had um, an issue in the spring where there's a captain that's there and you're thinking, "Dang it, we probably messed up. This is not going well. They're lazy. They're bad attitude. They're 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 cancerous. Whatever." Have you ever had that situation?
1: Um. I think not to that extent, because usually I've had it happen in the fall. Yeah. When, when I think when the guys voted or whatever, you know, it was kind of late summer and they're mm-hmm. in the softball fall and they didn't put a lot of thought into it. And, you right. know, he's my, he's my buddy. You can have that happen way easier in the fall, but our program, at least now, if that guy comes in and he don't walk the walk, he's not getting voted at Christmas. Yeah. You know, and say, so in the spring, in the spring, um, there's been an instance or two where maybe a guy disappointed you or did a one one act that you're like is not worthy of a captain or yeah. something like that. But, um, you know, generally they've all been pretty solid. Uh, there's always better ones, you know, some are better than others. But I never felt that way in the spring since at least I've been at
0: Iowa. Uh, but I have in the
1: fall a few times and then it took care of itself. The players took care of it.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. I end with three questions. The first one is what are you, uh, reading or listening to that's keeping you sharp as a leader? Um, what I'm,
1: what I'm reading right now is a reread because it's a good one heading into the, head, heading into the, um, the fall. Uh, I'm, I'm doing atomic habits, uh, mm. by being clear again and not just, not just, um, for me personally, uh, because I think, I think uh, as you get older and um, you've done it so many times, you know, so many years you've done it. That's a great book for getting your mind right on Mm -hmm. habits that you really need to continue or you need to get back to, or you've gotten lazy over the summer, you're not working out or you're not doing this. Um, And, and I felt like I needed a, a, been like two years and I felt like that would be a good one for me heading into the season but it also lends itself to what I just told you uh about what I believe um on the leadership side and keeping the culture the way it is it's a never-ending battle I mean it's one of those things that it's never over so you know guys that want it to be to a point and then stop it never really is it it so so that can become tedious it can become Daunting, almost, you know, when you start practicing. We did all of this, you know, last two years. And now a lot of those guys are gone, and now we got to do it again, and we got to try mm. to build up to that, you know. And and I just feel like that that's a you know a great book for getting your mind right to um, to go out and grind it through again, and just stick to your stick to your good habits and get rid of the, some bad ones, and um, you know. And then it's also good fodder for um, the team, uh, you know, yes. encouraging them uh on, on maybe you see habits or whatever it might be or some somebody's <laughs> pounding power drinks and you know you tell them how you can tell them how to get rid of that and do this and and whatever it might be uh diet wise which we all know uh, is a challenge for kids that age and yeah uh, trying to get them to eat right but anyway i just thought that it was going to be a good one love it uh, where i'm at Love it again
0: uh, okay. Second question: What advice would you give a young person just getting in started? You mentioned early on about sometimes it's just take a risk, take go for it. Um, any other advice for a young young person just getting started in the coaching profession?
1: Um, that it's going to be hard, a mm-hmm. long hard road. Um, that even though we now have a paid third assistant, which is great, um, but we needed a fourth assistant, right? I mean, that was what yep. all of the baseball coaches wanted. I mean, um, you know, we already had three, you know, three. But, you know, we just happened to be paying them in a different way. So I'm happy. Don't get, take it the wrong way. I'm I'm pumped we got paid third assistant. Totally. But we are understaffed, okay? Point being, there aren't a lot of opportunities, at least at the Division One level, mm-hmm. uh, for guys to break in. Uh, I tell guys, you know, because they want it to be, you know, they want to jump in where we're at, you know, they want to jump in right here. Well, you might have to go to a Division three or a JUCO or an NAIA um, to to stay in the game, you know. Um, however, it might be, and and that road is going to be long, and 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 those guys still don't make any money, you know, or at least a lot of them don't make any money. I mean, I went twenty years. 25 years uh, you know not making much money not a lot of people are willing to do that anymore it seems like or not as many are willing to to grind it out so uh, I don't pull any punches with those guys I mean I don't try to I don't try to stop them from going into coaching but here's the deal if you don't go into it with that attitude the odds of you surviving you know what you're gonna have to do to survive it uh, are slim and then here's the other thing you might do everything right, be yeah. the greatest coach in the world, and you still might not get that chance or that break. yeah, um, but that's the only way it's gonna happen if that makes any sense. and yeah, and and then the other thing I tell them is you need to become an expert at something. Mm. if that makes any sense, because if if it, I tell all of the guys that come in as young assistants, like, listen, in today's game, You need to be an expert at something, be it movement or the analytics side or or something with the pitching side, the pitch design side. Like Desi Desi Druschel was my pitching coach, and he was outstanding at everything. But he really was really good at pitch design um, at a time when that's what pro guys were looking for. And so, boom, Yankees hire him. Three years later, he's in the big leagues. Daddy's in the big leagues and big league dug out the Yankees. Become an expert at something, hmm. uh, and then you can go as far a, 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 as as you can go. You know, because people are looking for something different. You know, um, and then maybe that expert is just in hitting, or just in an in infield, or just in catching, whatever. But become special at something and keep that drive to continue to learn, as we talked about a lot earlier. Yeah, uh, with, with kind of how my track went, but that's what I encourage my assistant to do. Is you know, set high goal. try to, try to, try to keep moving. But be, if you become an expert at something,
0: um, you're always going to have somebody that wants you. Yeah. That's really good. Okay. The last question I'll end with this. Um, who would you like to hear, um, talk about their journey, talk about their leadership, talk about how they build culture. Yeah. All um, right. um, there's, there's a lot
1: of them I would, but, um, a guy I think a lot of and have a lot of respect for. Um, I consider him a younger guy, um, but he's, you know, he's done it for a while. Uh, it's Rob Vaughn, who mm. just recently got the job at Alabama. Um, you know, the job Rob did at Maryland and his staff was was really good. And uh, how he goes about his business and his ethics and his work, you know, not only his work ethic, but his true ethics, um, how they're. Team played, um, you know how hard they work on recruiting, uh, but they still are good people and good guys. And love that. I would, um, you know, I know, I know enough to be dangerous about Rob's story, but I, yeah, it'd be cool to hear to hear Rob's story from where he started and now. You know, he's in the SEC at Alabama, his first year, and um, it's kind of been a whirlwind, I'm sure, for him. But just um, in his, you know, Rob has a lot of faith and he he's a good guy. And I, I, yeah, I'd
0: be interested in here. Love it. That's good. Well, Rick, dude, thanks for taking time. Um, gosh, I've just, as I was jotting some notes, as you, as you were talking, I jotted one note down and man, this, I feel like this is like, you're the poster boy. There's other people like this, but to me, you feel like the poster boy for this idea that good people can actually have really, really high level success. Like you can be a good person, and win at a really, really high level, not just be average, but be really, really good. So, um, anyways, yeah, just to, to well, I,
1: appreciate, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I do I really do. Um, and, and for you to say that, it means a lot. And, um, because I've, I've wondered, uh, because some people don't think that, you know, some people don't believe that. And I've never, <laughs> never believed that, um, you You couldn't you and I couldn't compete as hard as we possibly could fight and whatever we have to do to win uh but that we couldn't be friends or good guys off the field that's totally. a, it always has been.